Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today. Please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can now play this podcast on any Amazon-enabled device. Just ask Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Treniglia from Apple Podcasts. Before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review. Doing this really does help us grow the show, and you can get featured for your review on a future episode. On to episode 119 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, the final guest episode for the month of September. My guest today is the fellow Bruce Springsteen fan, Jenny Fisher. Jenny is a former student-athlete basketball player at Marquette University. During our conversation, Jenny was still working for the NCAA before starting her current gig as a digital and social content publisher for WNBA content employed at the NBA office, where she gets to focus on her passion, storytelling, whether it's digital, social media content. Jenny's jam is storytelling. In this conversation, we get into why storytelling is inherent to who she is as a person, how her passion for sports is built upon a foundational passion to people, how strong women leaders such as her mom help shape her perception of relationship building, why it's important not to be sorry when you make a mistake, that's a really good story later on in the podcast, and how being curious leads to her being passionate about her work. This episode is full of gems, not just on how to be a better storyteller and why that can help you in relationship building, but Jenny also talks so much about passion, about mindset, about working and grinding through the process. But I think what stood out most for me when I was going through listening to this episode again before releasing it is her passion for storytelling in the sense that she wants to tell stories about people in their lives off the court or off the athletic field. Jenny is less focused on if you make the great shot to win the game and more focused on what you cooked for dinner with your family the night before. And she really goes into detail at one point in the conversation about how storytelling with athletes really helps narrow the degree of separation between athletes and the average people and we realize that athletes are just like everyone else in this great world so you're definitely going to learn a lot from jenny when it comes to storytelling and you will also hear just how passionate she is about that work so let's not waste any more time and let's get right into the conversation let's discover our talent altitude here is my talk with jenny fisher Dynamic Leaders 
Podcast. Today, my guest on the line with me is Jenny Fisher. Jenny, thank you so much for joining the show. Colin, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time and having me on. I appreciate you taking the time as well. It's always great to get to talk to other fellow former student athletes and learn a little bit about their past journey, about their current journey and where they're going here in the future as well. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit here because I do want to first give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Yeah, well, my name, like you mentioned, is Jenny Fisher. I am 23 years old, and so I'm a recent-ish college graduate. I graduated from Marquette University, where I worked extremely closely with our men's and women's basketball teams when I was there. And I have been involved in the digital social media sphere, especially now. Um, I currently work for the NCAA, so very ingrained with the student-athlete experience and with trying to tell stories for them, coaches, staffs, um, and connecting with the membership institutions on a daily basis. And so for me, um, I'm just really passionate about basketball. I'm passionate about people. And I think that's kind of a good synopsis of a shortened version of who I am and kind of what I do. I love it. So let's go back then and let's talk about your childhood a little bit more. And obviously it seems like sports was always at the forefront of something you were passionate about and basketball kind of took the lead there at some point or another, I imagine. But I think I read that your parents were both student athletes at Marquette as well, weren't they? Yes. So my mom and dad both played basketball at Marquette, which definitely ties into my story. I have an older brother and sister who uh, they neither of them went to Marquette. My older brother played college basketball at a D3 school in Wisconsin where he actually won a national championship during his time there, which was cool. Yeah. But um, I'm the I'm the lone Fisher kid that decided to follow kind of in my parents' footsteps in a way <laughs> and go to Marquette. But yeah, ever since I was a kid, that was a part of the story that was going to Marquette basketball camps, going to games, just I even remember like my mom having a watch party at our house when I was a kid and she brought over like her old teammates and they put like the little cassette tape in the VCR and they played their game against Notre Dame. And I was like, this is wild. So yes, it's always been <laughs> kind of a part of my story since I was a kid. That's so cool. And I'm curious. So I think one part of that equation, and I certainly something I can relate to, my parents both went to Penn State where I eventually went as well. And there was just that undeniable passion that you're just kind of born into. You don't necessarily really have a chance to understand what it really means before you're just sucked in. And it's really cool because it brings you closer to your family and it's something, a common bond that you can all share. But I think one of the more interesting points to what you just talked about was some of the relationships that your parents had, specifically when you were talking about your mom and having former teammates come over and having watch parties, watching old games, just getting together, I imagine, talking, catching up. Was that something that was really influential on you as a youngster to say, you know, hey, I can really build some relationships and some close friendships by going to Marquette, by playing basketball, like those different things start to take fold because of that? Yeah, I mean, especially for me, like when I look back and think about stories like that with my mom, like I think of like strong women leaders and like the way that sports has a way of like building up women in that kind of a way. And so for me, I think that 
being able to have strong women to look up to was kind of the way I took it, especially as sports as an avenue to do that. And like you mentioned, building community. Um, and now I especially get to see it at the NCAA because part of that women's basketball brand um, from at least my and I believe the national office's point of view is that this is more than just sports, right? Like this is the whole person. This is the student athlete experience, which involves obviously student. And so sports are a great avenue, um, not only to connect people, but also to, to give them maybe like a higher purpose or a reason to, you know, set goals and I guess kind of try to achieve them in a way that's not as typical as some other avenues in life. Sure. And when did you think, looking back now, was there a certain moment that you said, as far as basketball goes, just sticking with that specifically for a little bit here, was there a moment where you said, hey, I can make this reality, like, Maybe I can play at Marquette, but I can play at the collegiate level. And if Marquette's there, great. If not, there might be some other opportunities. When did you know that you could take that one passion that you had for basketball and really elevate yourself to the next level? Yeah, well, I think for me, I took the mindset of I care about the stories and the people within basketball, maybe more than I cared about, like, becoming a pro basketball player or something myself. Sure. Um, and also like talent obviously goes into that, but <laughs> I felt like my talents maybe weren't more closely aligned with the putting the ball into the hoop thing, but more so with, okay. I think especially in women's basketball, again, like the people involved in it care about more than just what's happening on the floor. It's about developing, uh, developing people and being able to, to really grow yourself in multiple ways. And so I think for me, like I knew from an earlier time that I wanted to be on the storytelling part of basketball. If there was, that's a very small sector, right? But for me, it was like that ties together who I am completely. Yeah. I I think the storytelling piece is obviously important because it's something that from a young age, I think I read was something that was really important to you and you've outlined that And it's something that's carried over now into your professional work and is what you do. And when we talk about storytelling specifically, I would love to learn a little bit more about that. And like, what type of stories are you trying to tell? Like, not just with yourself and the experiences that you had, but now maybe in your current position, when you're talking to other women or talking to other student athletes, what type of stories are compelling and what type of stories are you looking to tell? Yeah. So I think what a lot of people think about is it's really easy to tell the story of the upset win or the the incredible record on the court, because first (laughs) of all, they're totally valid. Like those are exciting things. I think the stats are obviously worthwhile, but when these people look back on their careers as student athletes or whatever, like they're not necessarily thinking about those stats or about those records. Um, Yes, championships, maybe a little bit more so, but I think that people really cherish the the community aspect. And I look for more of the stories that lead with personality and that you can tie a a face to. Even today, I was listening to a podcast um, by Kate Fagan, uh, who has done work for ESPN and it's called Free Cookies. And she basically had a podcast about what makes storytelling compelling and how to tell story and it's connected to neuroscience and everything. And it was actually super interesting because to me, it was like, not only do student athletes care to have the personal side of them told, 
but it's also what hooks people in because when you have that human component, it's an automatic connector. Like there might be the best basketball player in the world. And, oh my gosh, how can someone, I don't know, I'm in Indiana right now, in central Indiana, connect to the best basketball player in the world? Well, there's a human element to it. And once you find that connector, it interests people. And I think we're especially seeing it now during this present situation that we're in because, I don't know, these famous athletes are hopping on Instagram and doing lives where they're just talking about what they're up to or it's just superhuman. Like they're cooking dinner with their families and that's what everyone's doing. And Mm -hmm. so it makes you think that, you know, there aren't all these degrees of separation and storytelling when you boil it down is about people and figuring out, you know, how we connect and how we can relate to one another. So I think one of the common themes that I've picked up on so far throughout our conversation is a really healthy perspective about competition and about what the game of basketball could afford you as for as far as opportunities go, whether they were friendships, whether it was an education, and whether it was the working opportunities that you have now as a professional. And I'd love to know, so <laughs> I think it's a little bit unique in a sense where you have this vision, right? And this passion about storytelling. And what I'd like to know is, do you think as a teammate when you were playing basketball do you think you were a better teammate than maybe someone who didn't necessarily care about the full story because that was something that you were just truly actually interested in so like the first time you meet some of your teammates you're not just saying oh hey wow great jump shot or wow you've got a nice handle you say hey i'm from indiana what tell me a little bit about yourself and you start like actually developing those relationships that can help you not just on the course build trust, but off the court as well. Yeah. I mean, and this is making me instantly think about, I just had the opportunity to interview um, a Mississippi state women's basketball player named Sydney cooks. Mm -hmm. And it just so ever happens that 10 years ago, we played AAU basketball together in like the Milwaukee area circuit. And like she, she was actually younger than me clearly because she's still playing in college. And, um, (laughs) she played up on my team and I remember like everyone was kind of just like, Oh, like she's so good. She's like six foot four, kind of like a little bit intimidated. I would say just because like she may be younger, but she's playing up. So, Oh, she must think she's so good. Kind of that, I don't know, automatic assignment to her. But for me, I was like, we like became pretty quick friends and we would just hang out all the time, whatever. And she had an older brother named Sheldon that played my older brother, Charlie played basketball. So we, we got together and got along super well. And when we reconnected after like pretty much 10 years, it was like nothing had changed. And it was really cool because I don't know, we, I got to say hi to her mom for the first time. And it's like, I think, and I don't think it's unique to me. Like I said, I think it's the human component of just like, I care about people and getting to connect. And especially after a decade was a little bit eye opening because nothing really has changed. And so for me, it's like, I don't know, I value those relationships that I had with teammates that like, I don't even think about on a daily basis anymore. But then that one came up and I was like, wow, I'm grateful for moments like this because it, it kind of even shows me that 10 years ago, I was concerned about building relationships and being able to communicate with people. And it just came full circle completely when it just so happened that I interviewed her for NCAA women's basketball. Yeah, that's so cool. And such a 
great connection, like you said, to the relationship building and the communication aspect of everything. If you had to put it into words, what do you think is the way that you were able to balance getting on the court and getting playing time or even making a team, like putting the work in to do that with balancing the relationship aspect of the side, the more cultural aspect of everything. So I I guess the question I'm trying to ask is how do you balance the physical aspects with the non-physical aspects to make sure that basketball afforded you these opportunities to have these relationships, right? So if you're not playing the game, if you can't make a team, then you're not going to have these relationships and this ability to learn these stories that you can potentially tell later, like you did in the one that you just explained to us. So was there a balance for you that you needed to figure out whether it was an even balance or you needed to focus maybe a little bit more on the physical side in order to get that non-physical satisfaction out of everything? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they go hand in hand more so than working against each other. So it's like, I mean, I even, we did this women's basketball road trip for the NCAA where we went to various schools and I interviewed over 150 women's college basketball players. And what they continually talk about was like, you're building relationships through the weightlifting and through all that, because you're constantly encouraging each other. And the physical compliments that the other side of it, like for me, this even makes me think about when I was in high school and I did basketball, volleyball and lacrosse. And so you're a a year long athlete, so to speak. And you have to figure out how to balance having like that, that social and human component with your sport. And I just think that's invaluable even in life. I think a lot of people look at the student athlete experience and, oh my gosh, is it incredible. But at the same time, like, I feel like everyone has participated in sports in America at some point in their lives And to be able to utilize even the lessons you learned, like as a kid, I remember like playing t-ball and I would get so frustrated because I couldn't even hit the ball (laughs) off like the thing. And I was like, this is so frustrating, but like, that's part of it. And I don't know, like success is not built on success. It's built on failure. It's built on that frustration. And that's something that everyone can relate to in one way or another. So for me, yeah, I think they work together hand in hand and, it's not something that's only affecting student athletes or people who have, I don't know, played a sport at a higher level even. Um, I think it's something that people can relate to in general if they've ever whiffed it trying to hit a t-ball. Sure. That's something I think a lot of us can relate to, how difficult that can be. And <laughs> so it's obvious that, again, you have this healthy perspective on everything. Do you think as a person and as a teammate, you were able to help some of your teammates along over the years who may have not totally understood the way that you did, how the relationship aspect of everything and how if you're communicating with people, that can help you on the court, that can help you develop relationships off the court. Did you ever have to you know, take someone on the side or coach them along you know, as you were going through the season? Were there any moments like that? In some ways, yes. Um, I always look to like the coaches that I had for instances like that, which I know sounds like kind of a cop-out answer to this, but I promise there's a reason behind it. (laughs) I feel like I look at myself and I'm like, I don't think I could ever be a coach. I think I have the ability to like communicate with people and, you know, let people know maybe when they're wrong or whatever. But I also wasn't like one of the best players. And so for me, it was like, 
I don't want to go up to the best player on the team and be like, you're doing this wrong. Or mm-hmm. like, hey, you should be a little more like receptive to criticism or something like that. And this is why I think coaches and great leaders are such an anomaly and like almost undervalued because they're literally trained to do this and they're trained to relate with people. Like one of my favorite coaches that I've gotten to talk to is Gino Ariema at UConn and like his secret formula. And he straight up told me this. He goes, if I talk to you for five minutes, I can figure out what it is you want and how to help you achieve it. And I'm just like, and he's like, Oh, and I'll get you to want to do it too. And it's just a personality thing. It's a driven thing where he can just psychologically figure out what it is in a player that gets them going, makes them want to do it because the want to do something is also super crucial. And so I think that's why I really respect and value coaches and coaches that I've even had um, just to be able to look at them and be like, they understand this human component probably more than I even do. And picking up on some of that, like I I had a coach growing up that was one of my friend's moms and her name was Coach Carol. My friend is Gina. And Carol was incredible. She would make us run if we said sorry. And this was one of like the craziest <laughs> things looking back. Like being from the Midwest, like I have that Midwest nice. And it's evolved into like I can still be honest, whatever. But when I was a young girl growing up and playing basketball, I would say sorry if I got like a drill wrong or if I missed a layup and we had to start something over and whatever. And our whole team kind of had that. And I think, I don't know if it's just a Midwest thing, if it's a girl thing, whatever, but if we said, sorry, we all had to run. And so what that even taught me, which is such a strange lesson to remember was like, you don't have to be sorry for the mistakes that you make. If you are trying to, to be successful and trying to, to do the things that you're supposed to, because the result, yes, it matters, but like the systems in place and working towards something matter just as much. So that's just one example of, you know, how those relationships and how you communicate those kinds of things can kind of form an individual and how they think about things. Yeah, I really love that story. And I'm wondering, do you have some type of system, as you just put it, or some type of method where you're able to really focus on the process more than maybe the end result, although the end result may be the goal and what you're striving for. Like, how do you stay focused on those little details? And then if you fail, how do you pick yourself back up and learn from them? Have you developed any type of system to help you along the way over the years? Yeah, well, I love this because like one thing that I have been doing recently is reading a lot with the abundance of free time I've gotten (laughs) and it's actually been really good. And one of the books I'm reading is called Atomic Habits. Mm. And it talks about why people, you know, don't keep a certain habit, why they keep bad ones and the psychological aspect behind that and how little things really make the big difference. Like if a, if a plane is heading from LA to New York and it changes by just like 2.5 degrees, it's route, it's going to end up in DC. And that's a whole different trajectory than when it first came off. And the point of that is just like, you can change things by just a little bit, a little bit along the way. And then you have a completely different outcome. And like, for me, I was so used to just even like being healthier and working out more and as life goes on and as you get busier and it kind of falls to the wayside, I was like, I want to get back to this, but I can't figure out why I'll work out for like three days a week. 
and then I'll get sick of it or I just can't bring myself to even put on like running shoes or something. Sure. And what this book talks about is just like, you have to get to the point where you reach the, the end of the plateau and you hit that instant change. Um, and usually the change is like what people see, right? Like if, if someone is overweight and they're trying to lose weight and they hit the mark where they like start really losing weight and it's kind of that curve, that's where people think the change began. But it's something where it talks about little by little. And I think the process for me outside of that workout example is just like remembering that there's a, a bigger plan in play and that your day-to-day decisions really do culminate and become something much larger than what you're just doing in this moment. It's going to matter even five, 10, 20 years down the line, even your daily decisions can make that big of a difference. So trusting in the process for me is just completely remembering that every moment matters and that every decision you make matters just as equally because it's all going to culminate into whatever you chose in those small moments for what your life will eventually be. Hey everyone, Christine here from Sweat With Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders Podcast is here to help you be a better leader, and the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com, that's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com, to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. If every moment matters, and I totally agree, uh, so I'm not saying this because I don't agree, but what I'm wondering is if every moment matters, how do we stay from getting overwhelmed? How do we stay from getting burnt out? Because it's a progressive thing, right? It's just one after another. It's going to keep building, keep adding. And I'm thinking as a result of that, it could lead to burnout. It could lead to people getting overwhelmed or having anxiety because they're like, oh my God, I have to, I have to do this because I did this yesterday. And if I don't do that, then I'm back to square one, (laughs) some type of scenario like that. So how do you combat some of those type of feelings that might come along with being disciplined enough to trust that process? No, that's an absolutely great question, especially because I I like to think that productivity is like progression, right? Sure. And that's sometimes a tricky mindset because your worth is not based upon your productivity. And when I think about those words, your worth is not based upon your productivity, it like kind of washes my mind clean again. And I'm like, okay, like it's not all about like checking a box. Like I have this Mm -hmm. grid journal that I follow and it basically it's a habit journal. And on the left, I'll have like, you know, this, the silly things I should be doing anyways, but I still want to check them off. Like make my bed, brush my teeth, work out, um, pray, uh, write in my journal, like certain things that I want to do every day. But the basis of that is knowing that I can't do all of it every single day, that other things come up, that other things become more important, that family and relationships and people is also important. And that's not something I can write down in a habit journal. Right. And so for me, it's, it's remembering that you cannot be perfect 
in every single moment. And even that is almost a joy because what would life be if we were constantly productive and constantly <laughs> doing that? Like it requires reflection and taking a step back, which also was a big thing that I learned just even as a student at Marquette was like the Ignatian ideal of being reflective about what you do. Like if we volunteered and did like a service thing, which was a very big pillar at Marquette, then we would take at least a half hour afterwards to reflect about what we did, why it mattered, what people said about it, like the feedback from the people we volunteered for. And just, it was, it was something I hadn't thought about. And I was like, Oh, this, yeah, the first time I did it, this is so stupid. Why are we reflecting on this? But like to reflect and take a moment to breathe and just actually look at what you're doing is something that I think is extremely important. Sure. And I, really can appreciate that perspective. I think myself being a former athlete and just in general, and I hate generalizing, but I think this is true to an extent. A lot of athletes are hardwired to continue to push and continue to move forward. And it can be hard for us to turn that switch off. And it's almost like if you, if you're comparing to like someone who's a couch potato, like that's probably not a lifestyle you want either. So taking away the extremities of both things and taking, you know, tone it back. If you're like 95 to hundred percent, like always pushing to your point, like that's not going to be a good thing. But if you can take some time to relax and maybe tone it back to 70%, 80% or something like that and do some reflection, just journal and do some things that don't require as much as much exertion of our energy, then I think that we're probably on a little bit better of a path than if we're just constantly pushing or then again, the alternative, if we're just being a couch potato and not making any contributions to society. Yes, I completely agree. And I, I love that perspective just because like we do put so much pressure on ourselves as people. And especially with an abundance of time that we wouldn't have normally had. And so it's like, how do we find that happy medium where we're still pushing ourselves, we're still moving forward. And this is where that 1% comes in. If you're mm -hmm. getting at least 1% better every day, then you're still trending in the right direction. So it doesn't have to be 50 or like people who think that if you want to be a runner, the first time you put on running shoes and get outside and run, it has to be like five miles. Like, no, <laughs> that's, that's going to be like a 10 minute, one mile run for your first one. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And if the first time you're going out running five miles, you're probably going to find yourself on the couch the next day. Cause you're not going to be able to get up. So <laughs> exactly. Then they'll be the couch potato. Yeah, so. Exactly. Then we got a whole bunch of other problems, but but we won't go down that path today. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to build to a question that's been percolating in my mind now of everything that we just talked about with habits and with getting 1% better and building to maybe something that you aspire or desire to, you aspire to be or desiring to do. So before I get to the question, as far as basketball goes in your background, in, in your life, it doesn't really seem like at least from the conversation that we had today that you ever were like, wow, I want to be in the NBA or I want to play professional basketball it was more. Wow. When I was young, storytelling was important to me. I wanted to do something along the lines of what I'm doing today, although it would have been impossible to predict exactly the type of storytelling that you can do in today's world. Yeah. I would say for me, yeah. Just even when I was a kid, I would write books for my parents, which is wild to think about. Because <laughs> who does that? That's weird. Um, but like I, I had like the inherent passion, I think, especially for writing. I think I can't oversell that now that I don't write as much just because it's not a 
super big part of my day-to-day job or anything like that. But I, I mean, I do still journal every day, but for me, it was like the storytelling part always mattered even more than the playing part. And I think that really drove the career angle and everything, obviously. Um, And like, there are just some kids who are super driven to like make it super far in the athletic realm of sports. Right. And I think that's extremely admirable. Um, And yes, I was a driven um, athlete when I did play, but it's like, I didn't have that. Oh yes. I want playing this sport to be my life. I had the angle of I'm going to use what this sport gave me to connect it to my true passion and where I think my talents also align in the storytelling part. So is it, is it fair to say that you've achieved a goal in some senses? That's a deep question. <laughs> um, it's especially hard because like, I don't know if I ever imagined myself even a year ago in this place. Mm-hmm. I would say yes, in some ways. And then also like other goals have cropped up that I didn't even imagine like being able to connect with these hundreds of women's college basketball players and coaches like that was not on my list a year ago to be like, okay, I want to interview like over this many people or I want to meet Gino or I want to like whatever. And there's no way I could have predicted that. Um, But I think looking back, it's like, okay, wow. I got to connect with some of the best of the best. Mm -hmm. I got to one story that always sticks out that I always talk about is, a Syracuse women's basketball player, Tiana Mangakahia, she was probably one of the top point guards in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was diagnosed with breast cancer, overcame that, and now is working her way back so that she can play next season. And like for me, like being able to find these stories, meet these people, and hopefully do the story justice and be able to tell it is like, whew, that's like a goal that I've had if you boil it down and then to be able to actualize it in that instance is yeah, I think something that I hadn't really totally reflected on, but for sure. So the reason I'm asking you this is because it's a perspective and you're able to have a reflection now, like we just did, that not everybody gets to have. Not everybody gets to do work that they're passionate about. But what I'm curious about is this effect of, you know, just going through the motions every single day, even if you're in the position that you want to be in professionally or whatever it is in life that you see for yourself. And I think about an artist like Bruce Springsteen is this always comes back to me and talks about how important it is for him as a performer to bring the same amount of energy for a song like born to run, for example, that's been around for I think 40 years now bring the same amount of energy for that song in a show when he plays today than when he did back in the 1970s, because for him it's okay. There could be somebody in this crowd that is seeing me for the first or last time. They deserve my best. It's kind of like that Joe DiMaggio quote from back in the day. And, and I think that even when people achieve what they're passionate about or people achieve their goals, complacency tends to creep in a little bit a little bit easier than we might want to admit. And so yeah. I'm I'm wondering like how now that you're in a position where you're doing the work that you've wanted to do since you were a kid to a certain extent. There're probably things that yeah. you wish you could do a little bit more like writing as you mentioned, but to a certain extent you're getting to do that work. 
how do you stay passionate on a day-to-day basis to say when you're interviewing this person, you're bringing the same energy as when you're doing with that person, but the circumstances might be different. Like two months ago, you were healthy and the world was normal. And now you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're unsure of where things are going. You're isolated from people. How do you bring that same energy to a situation like that? Just knowing circumstances change, you could just have a bad day in general. Is that making sense? The question that I'm <laughs> get, yeah, take, yes, taking a sure. long time to get to. <laughs> yeah, I think the complacency part is key there. And also, I'm really glad that you just said Bruce Springsteen because I love Bruce Springsteen. Awesome. And I was just <laughs> listening to Atlantic City by him before this. But anyways, <laughs> um, no, I think the I think it's easy for a lot of people to get complacent when they are doing the same daily routine. And you know, how do you still bring that passion? I think something like that. I'm pretty dead set on is like, if you are actually doing something that you love and are passionate about, like it won't feel boring. Like, I feel like every day is so different for me and what I do. And like, yes, is it okay for your, your job to have bad days? Like there are days where all I do is sit behind a computer screen in a cubicle. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I'm not talking to people. I'm not connecting with people outside of my coworkers, which I love them. So that's not a knock on them, but it's like, how do I, you know, still find joy in those moments? The same as when I'm getting to travel across the country and talk to people and meet these players. And I think for me, it's been inherent since I was a kid that I'm just naturally very curious um, like if someone sits down in front of me, I'm going to ask them 50 questions. Like it's, it's just something that's happened ever since I was a kid. And even when I was a kid and my dad still like mentions this to me, they would like have neighbors over or something. And my parents were like social butterflies. I think that's another key part of this. Um, they would have like people over for like, I don't know, like a dinner party or something or the neighbors. And I would go up and I would talk to all of the adults. And I was like, I don't know, like eight, seven. And it was a little weird because it's like what kid wants to go talk to the adults. But I think for me, <laughs> I've just genuinely always been curious and like, I want to know what people are like, what makes them tick, uh, what keeps them motivated, what keeps them going. And then for me, it kind of works as like a double-edged sword because then I look at, okay, what motivates me? What keeps me going? What drives me? And I'm really big on gratitude. I think being grateful is one of like the biggest keys to life. I write down three things I'm grateful for every single day. And some days it's as stupid as I'm grateful for coffee. Other days it's like, I am grateful that the world still exists in a similar way to what it did before this whole pandemic. And it's just, I think it's something that delivers me a lot of perspective and keeps me in check because one of my favorite quotes is also keep showing up. And what it means is like, keep showing up, you know, to your job, for other people, for what you care about, but it also means keep showing up for yourself. And like, how do you do that? You continue to do the things that help grow you, that help the people around you, Um, especially because I'm also big on, it was never about me anyways. Like if my life was all about me and everything that I do, then that's something where I would probably burn out quickly because it's selfish. It's, it's just not really even the way I was raised. So when you think about doing things for other people, I think is an automatic way to not become complacent because it's not about you, you know, it's about someone else. It's the same as like, like my older sister and her husband have a kid together who's about a year old. When you do something for, for little Tucker, it means a lot more than just doing it for yourself, you know, going and making him dinner, whatever. And it's something where even that gives me perspective of like, okay, like that's 
it's refreshing almost. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I think it really does. And I think even more so, it really connects the entire conversation that we had around habits in building up to a moment like this, where you get to do the work that you set out to do. And I think it can just be really easy. Like I'm thinking about, you know, say you are, we'll just stick with a guitarist or something for ease sake. You learn one song and then you move on to the next one. And while you're learning that song at the beginning, it's difficult. So you're more focused and you're trying harder and you're putting more effort in. But then when you get the hang of it, then you're like, okay, this is becoming second nature, but you can't let it get to the point where you're complacent. But you just connect everything that you talked about, where if you're focusing on getting 1% better and you have a great mindset, which is another key component that I think you unlock there, then that can just help you continue to build those habits. And then when you get into the position, if you are fortunate enough to get a position that you're passionate about in the professional working world, the way you stay passionate about that work is, again, your mindset. But the really important factor I think that you pointed out is staying curious. And it's just got me (laughs) thinking in the middle of this conversation, how curious I get and how much passion that leads to because I'm always thinking about, well, I wonder why this is the way it is, or I wonder what this person does to do that. And I'm always asking myself questions. And then I'm always articulating questions to other people and things like that. Are there other ways that we can stay curious besides asking questions. Like it seems like reading is a way that you stay curious, maybe unlock some other information. Have you found other ways where you can just learn and maybe get that passion to continue to grow? Yeah. I love the curiosity part too, because I think questioning the things around you or the systems and process or the way things are done and why they're done that way is part of what keeps us moving forward. And so even for me, like I I spent a summer living and working in New York City and I would go for walks in Central Park and my goal would be to notice like 50 things and like, okay, what do I notice? And it can vary across the senses, right? It can be like, I remember seeing a thing on a bench that said how perfect this is, how lucky we are. Okay. That's one thing. That's really cool. Maybe I'll journal about that later or like, oh, there was a dog next to the crepe stand and like, that was just a cool which like these are very simple, simple things, right? But I think the good way to get back to who we are is to utilize these sort of simple measures to be able to connect with, you know, on the most like foremost level at the foundation of like who we are. And like, I don't know, I just think staying curious is is one of the most powerful things because you will never get bored. Yeah. And that's a good thing in the time of a pandemic or when you have a lot of free time because you can just do some great things. And it doesn't necessarily mean you need to, you know, create like they talked about Shakespeare creating like this really great play during a pandemic or something. You don't need to put that type of pressure on yourself. But there are a lot of things that you can do. Like if you want it to paint that room or if you want it to start running or whatever it is, you can start just taking those day by day, step by step. And I think we've been able to connect everything from building habits to staying passionate, to staying curious, having a great mindset. And that's just been a really important and awesome part of this conversation. Yeah, I appreciate that too. Especially even like you mentioned, just having time to do things now, like something I did not think I would 
want to do is so I'm starting to kind of get into the shoe game of like I like Jordans and I'm starting to try to figure out like my shoe collection a little bit (laughs) and um I have a pair of Jordans that are all white and I was like I kind of want to paint the bottom of the shoes and I was like I don't know how to paint shoes and so like I'm looking up YouTube tutorials (laughs) about like how you can paint the bottom of your shoes what paint to buy especially for like the surface like things that like a, don't relate to my overall career goals in any way. And B, like I'm not an artist, so it's not like a passion project, but it's just something where I'm like, I want to try something new and I want to dive into something that I know nothing about for the sake of like, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool. So <laughs> it's a very small example that has a very low risk, but it's just a little something to you know keep me busy. Yes, I love that. And I'd be curious to know how those come out when, when you do test it. So you got to let us know. See. I'm not really super confident, but we'll see for sure. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, Jenny, if people want to follow along with your stories and just learn more about you, where can we find you on the internet or social media? Yeah, so my social media um, across all platforms is at Jenny Lynn Fish. That's J-E-N-N-Y-L-Y-N-N-F-I-S-C-H. Yeah, what I'm looking to do is just continue to tell more stories and be around basketball. I will throw your information in the show notes for easy reference, anybody who's listening to this episode. And Jenny, before I let you go, the show is called Dynamic Leaders and Again, I'm not going to go through everything as we talked about with habits and passion and curiosity, but you have showcased relationship building. Even you have showcased how you are dynamic in your leadership and the way that you conduct yourself. But I like to give my guests an opportunity to shout out someone in their own life who's been influential, either from a leadership perspective or just influential in general. Do you have somebody that you want to give a quick shout out to? Yeah, well, I think the first person that come to mind is my dad. He is the strongest person I know, uh, Cliff Fisher. He is all the way out in Seattle, so I'm not currently with him, but he uh, is actually higher up in his company and gets to lead a lot of people. And I just think, especially during this time, he's doing a great job of showing true servanthood in his leadership. And I know that I don't personally know this person, but I just think Pat Summit is one of the greatest leaders, especially in women's college basketball. Um, obviously, he's no longer with us. But if you even think about her journey where she used to get paid $50 to coach basketball on the side and wound up with all these national championships and this incredible program that really put women's college basketball on the map, um, I just think she is an incredible leader. And one of her quotes of hers that I absolutely love is that God doesn't take things away to be cruel. He takes them away to make room for other things. And I think that's especially pertinent and relevant during this time. So I'd like to shout out those two. Great shout outs and an awesome way to end what's been a very, I've learned so much in this conversation, just listening to you, not just about yourself, but about things that I could even be better about in my own life. So thank you. And I really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and to share all your guidance with all of our listeners today. Colin, I appreciate you having me on and the fact that you even have this podcast as a way to to tell stories and connect people is something that I obviously believe in and admire. So just thank you. 